the problem with the buzzwords is even words that you and I probably take for granted. For example, target date funds. Um, a lot of the research shows that participants don't relate to that term. Not only do they not understand it, they just don't relate to it at all. Hi, I'm John Sullivan with 401k Specialist, and this is the 401k Specialist Podcast. We all know the dangers of using too many industry buzzwords, but Mike Webb of CapTrust found some surprises when doing his own research. We have to say that Webb, or Webby to friends and colleagues, is one of our more enjoyable conversations recently due to his infectious energy. He joined us to discuss a niche market of particular success, one of the worst things about being acquired by an aggregator, and what he does so well. Mike, we've all been warned not to try and sound smart with buzzwords because it only confuses clients, but you did your own research. What did you find? Yeah. Um, and first of all, thanks for having me on. Um, the, um, the problem with the buzzwords is even words that you and I probably take for granted. For example, target date funds. Um, a lot of the research shows that participants don't relate to that term. Not only do they not understand it, they just don't relate to it at all. They relate to things more like risk. If you call it target risk, for example, they, and these are studies that have been done by putting communications in front of people and asking them what words they preferred and what they liked and what they didn't like. And it's really amazing when you think about it in that context and you're like, you know, I've been using target day funds all these years and I never thought about what impact that has on the participant where the participant just throws up their hands and says, I have no idea what you're talking about, or I don't like what you're talking about. It's kind of like, you know, some words also have a negative convenience, like annuities. It's the kind of, kind of the same thing where, uh, you, you know, I probably know about those negative conveyances because they're pretty well publicized. But for participants, things like target date funds are, are probably in that same general category. But you and I don't know it because we just throw those, uh, throw those terms around. And don't get me started on sequence, sequence of returns risk. I can't, I can't even go there. Understood. And more, more than likely, they're just nodding along and you think that they're getting it and they have no idea what you're talking about, but they're too polite to speak up, right? Absolutely. Um, and, and that's the thing is that you lose them. And I always know, I always know when they're, when they're not getting it, when there's no questions, right. you know, in, a, in, in front of it and, and even a committee, a lot of times when you have no questions, they're not getting it either. And don't assume by the way, that your plan sponsor is any, is that much more knowledgeable than your participant about those things. Um, you know, don't throw jargon in front of plan sponsor committees either. It's, it's, it's a bad idea. I don't want to put you on the spot here, but can you talk, you said target date funds, annuity, obviously. Is there others that you identified and that you replaced? Um, <laughs> well, you may laugh, but retirement. Really? Retirement's a bad one. Retirement's off in the future for so many folks. Um, they prefer terms like financial independence, financial freedom. Um, um, and then, you know, obviously there's the whole financial independence, retire early or fire movement. Um, so, I mean, so, uh, you, they, they, are looking for that. Okay. Retirement's off in the distance, but financial independence is not, can happen at any time. If I work hard enough at it, if I save hard enough. So that's, that's a retirement was the most shocking one to me. I'm like, I'm a retirement advisor. What do you want me? I'm not a financial independence advisor, but guess what? In 10 years, I'm probably going to be a financial independence advisor because that's how, 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 uh, how popular the term is starting to become. 
That's great. So talk about that time that you just knocked it out of the park. You know, uh, as a TAPO, what are you particularly proud of? What, what is that one time when you really delivered for plant sponsors and plant participants? Well, I, I mean, there's there's a lot of times, um, um, you know, because we do have a lot. I've been fortunate enough and blessed to work with a lot of award-winning clients. But I think um, taking um, taking a, a church plan um, and uh, just for those audience who might not be familiar with church plans or denominational church plans is that they're a lot like MEPS, only they don't have a lot of the infrastructure to back it up because each church is kind of its own independent and ministry is kind of their own, own independent part of the denomination in a lot of denominations. The denomination doesn't tell them, hey, you have to auto-enroll or, or if you have to even join the plan. So I think my proudest accomplishment was taking, you know, a smaller church plan saying, you know what, what, what's preventing us from doing big plan things here? What's preventing us from dramatically cutting our fees, dramatically improving our, our participation, dramatically um, growing our assets? And really, at the end of the day, what was preventing us was persistence. It wasn't any rocket science, great, you know, great, wonderful ideas. In fact, probably our most, our most state-of-the-art idea was communicating, it was sending out email blasts to all the business officials at the churches and ministries because they were our plant, they were going to be our plan champions and getting our plan champions to spread the word. That was probably our most revolutionary idea. And that's not, and as we know, John, that's not, you know, that's that's not an idea that others haven't tried before. But it's persistence. It's really saying, you know what, I'm not going to get caught up in the day-to-day compliance malaise that a lot of plans get caught up in. We're going to be persistent. If at first we don't succeed, try, try again. We're going to do it until it gets results. And I think a lot, a lot of lessons can be learned from even, you know, I mean, I was specific to the church world there, but a lot of plans I think can benefit from advisors being a little more persistent. Understood. I, I would assume that referrals and trust would really count for something in church plans. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. That's, um, you know, if you're looking at in terms of your, uh, let's just say you're a new, you're a new advisor. I think churches are a nice place to go. I mean, you could start with, and you, number one, you could start small. You can start at an individual church. They're not all tied to congregations, you know, and then you can work your way up to denominational plans. And not all the denominational plans are large either. This particular one I'm talking about is not a giant plan, but they did, they did giant, they did, they did things a lot of their giant peers haven't accomplished. So, understood, Mike. Uh, what do you do better than anybody else? And I'm not talking about cap trust. I'm talking about you specifically as a retirement advisor. What sets you apart? Uh, I give great podcast interviews. Is that? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I <did> so obvious. <laughs> um, I I think I think what really sets me apart as an advisor is um my willingness to kind of push through. And, and what I mean by that is a lot of committees get caught up in called what I call committee fatigue. Um, everything's so overwhelming. I mean, think about the responsibilities, especially in the ERISA world that plan sponsors have, you know, they have responsibilities to, to, to run investments, administration, plan documentation, plan operations. I mean, I've seen when I first arrived at certain clients, they were so caught up in the day to day. They just weren't getting anything done. And I think what I what I what I personally what I like to think I personally bring to the table is to cut through that and say, you know what, I don't care. We got to get all that stuff done, and we've got to move the plan forward. Don't you 
don't you don't you want to be an award winning plan? I don't think I've ever said to a client, asked the client if they wanted to be an award winning plan, and they said no. But they can't get, but they can't get there unless they they are able to overcome the traps of the day to day. And I think as an advisor, I've done. You know, I like to think I've done very well with the plans of which I've worked of getting past that day to day malaise and, and 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 accomplishing, you know, measurables for a plan so that they could be an award winning plan someday. So you're talking about a, pr- a paralysis of analysis and shaking them out of it, but how do you do that and still remain diplomatic? I mean, it's not a fun thing to do, and you're going to be the bad guy. Yeah, it, it's not. It, it's it's a fun thing when you get the outcomes. You, so you got to find an easy one. There you in go. Every plan that we we in every plan that um, we take over, I look for what I call the quick hitters. What are things that I can quick hit right away that'll immediately show momentum and it'll immediately have a payoff? Uh, I'll give just one example: missing participant. Everybody thinks everybody talks about being participants. Nobody, not a lot of advisors actually do a lot about it. <laughs> um, I we we actually do a lot. You know, and we may say, you know what? I, I saw one plan I worked with, and, I, I, and I, I'm, I'm telling you the honest truth. There was a plant participant, an active participant in that plan with a million dollar account balance that was unlocatable, that the record keeper was telling me was unlocatable. Nonsense. So, so obviously, that quick hitter for that plan, just finding the, that po- po- person and finding a lot of other large balance people that were supposedly, quote unquote, lost was something that got the ball, you know, something that clearly got the ball rolling at that entity. That's great. So, Webby, we all have heard the great things about being, um, you know, acquired by an aggregator, if you will. Uh, but I, what I'm looking for really is is one of the worst things that about being acquired by an aggregator. We're going to go a little contrarian here. Uh, do you mean from, a, from an advisor perspective or a record keeper perspective? Or, or an advisor. Any, or, or any advisor. sort of advisor. So yeah. from my perspective. Your perspective. <laughs> well, obviously, the worst thing about being acquired by an aggregator would be to lose your – from my perspective, it would be to lose would, would be to lose my employment. So, I mean, <laughs> okay. I mean, I mean, I mean that's, I think that's the obvious one. Um, so besides that, since I obviously haven't lost my employment, um, with um, – the, I think the probably the second probably the second worst thing that can happen is you lose your way, and what I mean by that is you know you've had you've had a way of doing things. Whenever you're going to have new, whenever you're going to make new friends, when you do it in ag- aggregation, that way you can't necessarily say, "Well, I did this w- this way for thirty years because I've been I've been doing this more than thirty years now. I did this way for thirty years, and my way or the highway." And what I see sometimes, I've seen in other I've seen in other aggregations and acquisitions. I've seen advisors kind of say, "You know what? Instead of learn, instead of learning, sometimes there's a potential better way out there." They kind of lose their way. They just like because nobody wants to hear if you're the aggregator, like, "Oh, I'm just going to do it my way." And you're you're way stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I think I think losing their way is probably close. To, I mean, obviously. Close to the not being employed at all, but losing away is the biggest one. And you know, I think you know, speaking from my personal experience, it's kind of been you know maybe I'm lucky, but it's kind of been the opposite. It's a I've found new ways to derive to to add value, and really haven't taken a lot of the old ways away. So it's been kind of a win win for me. So so I think I would always I would always tell people if you're being acquired, obviously that's always going to be a difficult time. 
because you're worried about your future. But I think it presents tremendous opportunity as well if you're willing to engage it. And it's I, I, I go back to a participant engagement situation in a retirement plan. You know, here's if ABC entity acquires me and I'm XYZ, you know what? I've got an opportunity to engage all those folks at ABC. What, what's stopping me? I've got, I'll have, if they're a thousand person firm, I now have a thousand potential new LinkedIn friends. What's stopping me? That's uh, perfect. That's exactly what we needed. Mike Webb, thank you so much for joining us. I do appreciate it. Thank you.